Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 63. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 2003 movie Lost in Translation. So, Charles, tell us about it. Um, so, in Lost in Translation, basically these two white people are super bored in Japan uh, and refuse to enjoy it. Um, so, they uh, end up being bored together for a little while. And then Bill Murray has to go home. And I think that's about it. Yeah, it's a low activity movie, right? It's a lot of like looking at Japanese stuff and hanging out in a bar and some karaoke now and then. Yeah. Um, and it's so, so it comes like if you summarize the plot of it, it comes across as this movie where where very little happens. Um, but nonetheless, it was nominated for a bunch of awards and was well regarded at the time. Um, second movie from uh, Sofia Coppola. Uh, one of the reasons I selected it is that I just liked the connection between her father doing uh, Godfather Part Two, which we did last week, and her, the daughter, um, have, forging her own very different film career. Um, with That mostly didn't start exactly with this movie, but became famous with this movie. Uh, the other reason I picked it is that we have talked about very few female f filmmakers, and we need to make space for that, and I think that that matters. Yeah. Um, I saw this movie in like 2000, 2004, 2005, shortly after it came out, I did not see it in theaters. Um, and I remembered liking it, but I hadn't seen it this, since then. So the other reason I wanted to watch it is just to see how well it, it held up. Um, I had a different reaction to it this time than I did previously. Um, but yeah, I think that they're, despite the rather, I don't, I don't even want to say thin plot, but simple plot um, of Lawson translation, I think that there is enough to talk about here, but um, what, do, what do you think of this one, Chris? So I also saw it around the same time you first saw it in 03, 04. Um, I've seen this movie many times. I really, really? like this movie in college. <clears throat> it was one of my favorite movies when I watched it in college. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, did not like it this time around really? at all. Just it, yeah. Even though you really liked it before. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I found it incredibly <laughs> Vapid and racist. It's definitely <laughs> racist. Yes, and um, it was that was the biggest change that I felt this time around. Um, no, I was angry at the main characters too. I I found them to be uh, awful and yeah, I really dislike both the uh, characters. <laughs> and I think it's a reflection on Sofia Coppola. This feels like this is her kind of perspective on things and her uh, personal experience. Yeah, I read a bit about like how the movie was made, and it was kind of like about her travel experiences, and a lot of it was the, just them like going to places in Japan and just like kind of shooting and like whatever yeah. happens happened in the movie, which is like yeah, it's designed uh, to be semi autobiographical. Yeah, her clearly standing in for the the Charlotte character, the Scarlett Johansson character. Yeah, um, but yeah, you're completely right, um, and I noticed it much more clearly this time around. Um, having not watched this movie in 10 years, 15 years. Um, but yeah, this is a super fucking racist movie. It's really racist. It's crazy racist, yeah. <laughs> uh, Charles, you kind of imp implied this in your intro. Yeah. Did you find it racist? or? I was kind of bugged out by it, yeah. I, I didn't expect it to be that overt about it. Like, I mean, Bill Murray makes a fucking, like, Japanese pronunciation Like, five joke. times they make that joke. Like, the, the L and the R thing, they make yeah, that joke like, multiple on, times throughout the movie. It's not funny, and it's not clever. Like, it's yeah. just over and over again they make that joke. And, 
Yeah, and, and not just Bill Murray. Murray, they have the husband character. The Charlotte's husband character does it the same joke. Yeah, and just like they actually put that joke in the mouths of many Japanese characters in the movie as well. And man, they go back to that well a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah it was. They they often have the Japanese person like saying something like that and having it be uh, misconstrued or ambiguous. Yes. and I'm like, was that supposed to be a joke? I think it was. I found myself about <clears throat> 30 minutes in just Googling Lost in Translation racist. There are many. <laughs> I was like looking There's for a lot like of writing on hot takes on, oh, on Lost in Translation, of which there are many, and good writing on yeah. it as to why it's racist. Someone also connected it to another one of her movies, um, The wow. Bling Ring, which is about oh, that. Um, th this group of like, it's a true story. Um, about this group of teens who would like rob rich people in the Hollywood Hills. That's one that Emma Watson was in. Yes, I think so. And there's an Asian character in that, and they were also talking about like the racism around that character. How there's like not a lot of depth to that character, similar to like how Japanese people are treated in this movie. So Sofia yeah. Coppola just doesn't well, understand Asian people. She doesn't understand non-white people because Beguiled <laughs> had similar problems, which I came out last year. I think it was last year, um, which I felt was an okay movie. Uh, it was based on a book. Well, at first it was a remake of a movie that Eastwood made, starred in, back in like the 70s, 60s or 70s, that was based on a book. Both the prior movie and the book had, it, it takes place in the South during the Civil War at this plantation that's basically vacant at this point because it's the end of the war, the South is losing. Um, there was a black character that's living at this house in the book and the movie that Sophia just writes out of her version of the movie, just isn't there at all. Um, and I think you see you see that in Bling Ring, you definitely see it here, right? That there's just no Asian characters with any personality in this movie. Yeah, I, I don't think it's just white people though. She doesn't seem to understand anybody who's not just kind of a like lost rich person. Well, she doesn't <laughs> depict anyone who's not a, a lost rich person. She is disinterested. Um, so I also saw her follow-up film to this, Marie Antoinette, in theaters, and that movie is like. It's it's not racist because it's set in France, but it's like e <laughs> it's it's equally revolting in its sympathy for its rich depressed people. Yeah, where it's like, who gives a shit? Like the only interesting thing about Marie Antoinette was that she was beheaded, and that was like not shown in the movie. Yeah, uh, well, and, and, she, and, and if there were any just beheadings during the Reign of Terror, hers was one of them. Like yeah, she, she actually conspired with the Austrians to squash the revolution. There are communications. They had hard evidence and, to show her treason. And she stood by while her, her the people that she ruled over starved. Yeah. Like, she's a morally awful person. Yes. Uh, one of the worst. Yeah. And Sophie, Sophia Coppola finds a sympathetic <clears throat> character here where it's like, who, who gives a shit that she was <laughs> like, subject to 18th century patriarchy, like, Fucking everybody was. Yeah. And this person's incredibly awful. Um, and that's uh, how I ended up feeling about these people, too, where it was like, B Bill Murray is just looking to cheat on his whatever suburban life, that, or like very rich life that he's living in Hollywood. And he seems like a terrible person. He's being paid a lot of money to do basically nothing and is bored in one of the most interesting cities in the world. Uh, See the, that? Like, I, I guess I got more out of their relationship than that. Like, it was hard to watch around it because this movie is so racist, and I'm not sure this movie is worthwhile because of that. Yeah. But I think that there is a tendency to read female filmmakers as saying less than they actually are, to, d to diminish what they're saying and to look at it as something smaller. And I think that you see that a lot when you talk about 
oh, this is, this is a movie of small moments. This is a movie of details. This is a, this is a movie about something ephemeral, right? Like that we, we can't conceive of the notion that a, that a female fil filmmaker is saying something larger than that. So I don't, I don't read these characters as, as bored. I read, I read them as lonely. I think that, I think we see we see these people as as isolated and uh, unable to connect with those around them. She decides to do that in a very racist way, right? And in yeah. that way, it may be difficult to to watch this movie or to accept this movie as valuable. Maybe um, it's not that they are bored, but they are boring characters. I mean, like, that's, that's I mean, that's up to the audience. Like, I guess. again, like they're in the most interesting city in the world, and like they can't seem to like drag themselves outside of the room. Well, I mean, I, Scarlett Johansson is outside of the room all the time, right? Like, she's looking at all these very stereotypical Japanese things. She goes to... The uh, temple and finds herself. Yeah. Uh, and, like, God, I mean, it's, so it's not... I mean, returning to this movie's racism, it's not just the dumb LR jokes, right? There's a lot. There's many layers to the racism right. in this movie. Like, there's, there's specifically... The height jokes. There's height, yeah, there's height jokes, but even just the way that she depicts Japan, right? It's... she She's so, showing... These temples with blooming blossoms all over the place. She has like this very effeminate bride character that Sophia or that that Charlotte is just watching the whole time. She has you know big crazy video games that everybody is great at. She has a pachinko bar, right? Like it's all this like a checklist of stereotyped like Ari Japanese Orientalism. Stuff. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> there's also like lots of references to like kind of weird Japanese sexuality. Yes. It's like oh this is weird and crazy and like out there. It, it's it like, is kind of funny yeah. how closely it mirrored my trip to Japan though, because like <laughs> I mean I walked through a pachinko sure game or bar and like an arcade and all that and uh, I took the train to Kyoto and went through a temple. I wasn't trying to find myself, but I thought the temples were really beautiful. Yeah, I, I'm sure they were. Yeah, like that's how normal tourism works. Yeah. But, like, but this here is a film. It was meant to like orient, like show Japan as like a weird state that like yeah. there are elements of it that are like lost in time, but also there's like this this like odd culture to it that like Americans will right. just never get and understand. I mean, like, this is this is straight out of Edward Said, right? Like this is all yeah, just, yeah. just orientalism totally. all over the place. The idea that. The East is something mysterious and unknowable, right? Not not just a, a thing that we don't understand, not just a thing that's different than the West, but a thing that we cannot understand. We are incapable of grasping it because they're so different than us, right? And and say Edward Said put forward this idea as Orientalism. It was mostly he focused on the Middle East, but the similar theories applied to Japan and China and Korea. Um, and I think that Sophia has bought into that so completely that she is. In a, unable to even have a Japanese character that isn't just a, a handful of stereotypes or catchphrases or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, and she uh, she also depicts a Japanese fascination with American culture that I think is grossly overstated. Right. Just the the idea that they need to fly in this movie star and pay him two million dollars to do their ad. Right. The guy named mm -hmm. Charlie Brown. In the that he brought on this nickname, and we never actually learned his his given name, right? That they're they're singing all these American songs in the, the karaoke bar, right? That the the bar that in the hotel they're playing American music all the time. So it, it's this idea that Japan both has a strange, unknowable culture, but also the American culture is so superior that they still adopt <laughs> it into their own, right? The, so the, there are I, I think very text level race, racism going on here where we're talking about the, the height yeah. jokes, the LR jokes, that kind of bullshit, but it's 
There's, yeah. it, it runs throughout this entire film uh, in almost every scene. Um, and it's, it's, even if you do, I think I like these characters, or at least, I don't know, see something in these characters more than what Crossman does. Um, but even though I do, it was still a hard watch for mm -hmm. that reason. So, yeah, I, I'm mostly with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't find them redeeming at all because I just like, I don't find them to be sympathetic characters like whatsoever. I actually felt this watch around felt really bad for like the Anna Ferris character. She got shit on a lot. <laughs> she got shit on and it was just like this is like a really nice person who's yes. like like come up and like she's much more famous than these two assholes right. and <laughs> like so they're just jealous. Yeah, and like th she offers like a real connection to them, yes. right? And like friendship and like interesting it. things to do. And she just outright rejects it, and and seems like she's rejecting her husband as well in this. And that yeah, I mean like, that yeah, like yeah. because we see so little of him, it's mm -hmm. hard to say. But I think what she's getting at is that she doesn't ha she doesn't feel any kind of connection with this man even if it's not his fault. Like, he's there to work. Like, well, yeah, you can't really expect him to be yeah, the entertainer. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, and I don't, think she, I don't think you see the Charlotte character blaming the husband for that, but she's nonetheless experiencing loneliness because of that. Yeah, so I found the Anna Ferris character, like, very sympathetic here. And it seemed like it was, like, Sofia Coppola's, like, knock on, like, pop filmmaking. Because it's like, oh, uh -huh. here's just this, like, ditzy blonde who's in a Keanu Reeves movie. And right. She's out, like promoting the movie internationally and like <laughs> oh what an awful terrible shithead and it's like yeah. the, the, those things are like s such specific like obvious like jokes about like oh I'm, I'm so classy and I look down my nose at like people like this or it's like he's making an art film yeah e exactly and it's like nobody gives a shit about like your your bullshit indie films that like you can only make because like your father is rich and a famous filmmaker. Like, uh, Keanu Reeves has made great movies, all of which are way better than anything <laughs> Sofia Coppola has made. As has Anna Faris. So, <laughs> fuck Sofia Coppola and fuck this movie. Like, no, I, I think I, this movie's garbage. No. Now, now like, you I, think it's I've like I've really like taken a turn after watching this movie where I think it's awful. Okay. And, so I, and I really, really dislike Sofia Coppola. Do you Coppola. remember why yeah. it was one of your favorite movies? That's yeah, because it's like so mopey and, and just, <laughs> like, like when you're like an alienated young person uh, and this movie comes out, it's it's great. It's like very Wes Anderson-y. She, like, she, she does know how to set up shots and like point the camera in the right direction. Like she like makes it visually. Nice look to it. Yeah, I did note that it felt like Wes Anderson because this this kind of pastel-y look to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. A lot of soft she's lighting. she's friends yeah. with Wes Anderson too. Okay. Like that's how they got Bill Murray into this movie. Okay. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, that explains a lot. Um, the look is a little less precise than a Wes Anderson movie, but it yes. has the similar kind of style to it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So. Um, she she doesn't know how to point a camera and shoot like she should be an art director or whatever but or she shouldn't because she's racist so she shouldn't <laughs> she shouldn't be working um, but yeah and I think the movie also relies a lot on its soundtrack for its like emotional pull because it plays like like the song selection's really good they use like My Bloody Valentine there's another mm -hmm. song at uh, at the end of the movie that kind of closes I think out it's and Yola like, Tango. Yeah, huh. and I don't think I recognize any of the music. It was, it's it's weird. Oh, like, I, I do, and it's music that I listened to in college, oh, which yeah. is like another nice. reason that like <laughs> it, it was a really yeah. weird feeling, like them being in a foreign country singing American music that I felt like should have been familiar to me, but I didn't recognize any of the songs. Well, so yeah. it was like foreign American music to me. Yeah, yeah no, and they were singing um, Brass and Pocket. 
Yeah, there's there's another song that they were singing karaoke. The one that that Bill Murray sings. Yeah, he sings. Yeah, I, I recognize it, but I can't think of the name. Um, but yeah, the scene that I remembered most clearly from this movie was that Bryson pocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my bloody Valentine song like stands out to yeah. me the most because it's like it's so perfect for like that moment, and it's a beautiful song, and it's you know beautifully shot, and that's why I like this movie. Um, because like I did connect with this movie emotionally when I was like another alienated young person at yeah. the time, which mm -hmm. is like what this is supposed to connect to. But yeah, uh, I, I mean, yeah, couldn't you said you couldn't sympathize with the Charlotte character, but I feel like she seems like a sympathetic character. Like she just is kind of uncertain about her place in yeah. life, and like you know, is coming out of college and like doesn't know what she's gonna be doing. Like that's something that so many people can identify with, right? Yeah. Sure. For yeah, for like a year or two, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so like we, you know, we grow up. Like I, I but get you it. Remember like, that. I do. That I, I do it. understand what it's like to be a young, alienated young person. I was that for a long time. I, I still just like have no patience for this character, or this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like whatever. Like, grow up. Get out of it. Like, everybody gets a job. Like, she clearly has a lot of money. She's a philosophy major who went to NYU. She's traveling in Japan for free on her husband's dollar. Like, whatever. Like, get it. You're outside of capitalism. Join, get a job. Like, <laughs> like. Yeah, well, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, sounding very dismissive, but I, I was very turned off by this. Yeah, I, I, I'm so much of, yeah. of two minds on this one. Because yeah. uh, on the one hand, I, I do see your point. Crossman that like like and the jobs that she tried she tried to like be a photographer and a writer and it didn't work out and now she's out of ideas. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Yeah. it's like the okay, lady. Even Instagram. Even his yeah. like older person like observations of like the distance that his character has on like her issues that he like tries to bring in like make her feel better is like oh you have kids and everything changes. It's like yeah I fucking knew that when I was seventeen. Like yeah. when you have kids your life changes. Obviously like we don't need this observation in this film. It's not a deep thing. It's meant to sound really deep and just be like oh like my life just like he's, changed he's so, so wise much. on life because yeah kids now yeah well, I mean but I think it matters that it's the Bill Murray character that's saying that right because before that and after that we see him maybe not paying super close attention to his kids and his wife is on the other side of the world and kind of upset with him and we hear her taking care of the kids while he's yeah I've I, I found myself feeling bad most for in this movie Bill Murray's wife and yeah. Anna, Faris. Anna Faris yeah <laughs> like I found them to be the most sympathetic characters in yeah. this film I mean it doesn't help that Anna Faris and the nation of Japan and the nation yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> no kidding all yeah. Japanese people um, and that Anna Faris is just like so charismatic in a way that She's great. She's and, met, and a like, style of charisma that these two do not have. What's she she's, been doing? Because I don't think I've seen she, her in any. She's a while. very successful podcast yes. right now, and okay. she's getting divorced from Chris Pratt. Right. Yeah, yeah. that I heard about. But yeah, uh, yeah that's that's what she's doing. Um, she is like a top ten podcast regularly. Nice. I've listened to it's it's okay, but I get why people like it. She's very likable, and she gets good guests. And yeah, that that'll go a long way. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, so I mean, I, I see your point. On the other hand, I am, like, I, I linked an article in our group chat this week that talked about the, or conceptualized something called the, the male glance as opposed to the male gaze. I don't know if you guys actually read it, but I did. And um, it talks about this idea, well, we, we know what the male gaze is. We talked about it during the Silence of the Lambs episode and several other times throughout. But also the, it, it conceptualized the, the corollary, the male glance, where we have a tendency to not take female products, female produced film, and actual women, seriously. So on the one hand, 
yeah, I think it's easy to say this is a movie about a bunch of bored people, and that's boring, and we shouldn't care about how boring this is. On the other hand, I want to give it, or at least I want to give these two characters a sympathetic reading mm -hmm. because of the, that male tendency to diminish what women produce. And so I, I'm conflicted, is my point. I'm conflicted. Um, I think that if someone wants to set aside this movie entirely because of the racism, that's fair. And it might even be where I end up landing on this one. Um, but I do want to give it as fair a shake as possible on all fronts. And not to say that you're not doing that, um, but <laughs> I've seen many Sofia Coppola films. I mean, I have too, and I, I pretty I, garbage. What do you think of Virgin Suicides? I didn't see that one. Okay, I think that's her best one. That's like her best film. That's her first yeah. film. That's right? her first film. Yeah, um, and I think that's her best one, um, for better or worse. So I think that she and she does have a look, and she does have. She can compose a shot, like you pointed out. She's a good film. Yeah, like technically, she is very, very good. Yeah. Like, so. I want to... She knows how to fill in the lack of emotional stuff <laughs> in her movie by choosing really good songs. <laughs> yeah, even that, Marie just, Antoinette has had that too, where yeah. they chose like pop songs. That yes. was like one of the like pulls for that movie, right. where it was like, oh, we have pop songs. And it's like 18th you know century. Baz yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Baz does it much better, but yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like 1790, empty. but here's a song, you know. Baz yeah. like, will like recut the songs in ways that are interesting and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like Moulin Rouge a lot. That movie's great. Uh, it's an yeah, excellent film. I think <laughs> yeah. it's my favorite musical. But yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, That's a, that is interesting. Um, so I think that, she, referring to Sophia, I think that she has the capacity to get better. And I want her to get better because there are so few named female filmmakers out there that can actually draw an audience. On the other hand, there are probably plenty of female filmmakers out there that aren't super fucking racist. And <laughs> yeah. maybe, we, maybe we need to give them the slot that Sofia Coppola currently has. Yeah. But I would rather give them the slot that some random fucking dude that you know, also fell backwards into the film industry has. So I, I, don't know. I don't have a conclusion to this because I don't have a conclusion to my thoughts on this movie. But that is where I am you know, currently. What, what has me really curious is, so I've heard a lot of hype and praise about this movie because it's so widely like loved online and I always hear references to it all the time in discussions. And I didn't actually read into why people like the movie so much. Um, so I, I went into this movie expecting it to kind of live up to that and I just felt kind of bored and confused. <laughs> uh, and also bewildered by the very blatant racism. So like, I don't know, why do people like this movie? I think they Is it for the same reasons that Crossman used to like it? Yes. That would be my theory that okay. everybody saw this movie in college and like they were just like, oh, I'm so, so I'm so different in this so, movie like gets so it's me. It's like a <laughs> lighter version of Fight Club. It, that's yeah. an interesting comparison, but yeah, potentially. Yeah. I just get the impression like that and this are like those like kind of movies that college students get into for Yeah. For college student reasons, Th that's a good observation. Actually, I think it, this is one of like a number of films that like speaks to like alienation and like the notion, like the feelings of like alienation, where just like the world around you, like you don't yeah. see, feel like you fit into um, for whatever reason. And I think yeah, Fight Club is a good example of that. There's probably a number of other ones, but I think they're like they hit the college crowd like yeah. really well because like. That's those are the emotions that you go through in college or in a new place and among people that you don't know and yeah. you don't know if like what you're doing is correct even though it's supposed to like 
sort of be the moment that like helps you in the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie like really one of the things that it like tries to hit on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I mean obviously there's a lot of differences between Fight Club, yeah. but in terms of what Fight Club is saying about alienation is that it, it comes to a conclusion about it, uh-huh. right? Whereas where this movie very specifically doesn't. Right, like the the ending is you don't know what Bill Murray says to her. Right, like the ending is ambiguous. Um, you don't know what Charlotte is going to go do after she leaves Japan. Um, whereas Fight Club actually does, even though Fincher kind of does not stick the landing, um, it does try to say something concrete about you know going too far with your alienation, about you know this not being correct. It's like I think Fincher might be like his message is so muddled that he ends up being wrong, maybe, but. Um, this this movie is much is not interested in giving you an answer, I think, right? Like it's it doesn't want to tell you what to do with your alienation. It just wants to depict mm-hmm. that alienation and that loneliness. Maybe uh, maybe we should talk about the ending now, because like now that I think about it, that is one of the scenes that I hear brought up all the time when right. I hear discussion mentioned about it. And I I always heard about how it's ambiguous, what Bill Murray whispered to her or whatever. But I got to that point in the movie and I just didn't care at all what Bill Murray might have said to her. <laughs> right. And they already had kind of left off on like a perfectly fine goodbye. So like he, he already told her that like things are going to be okay and that she's probably going to be able to find a job or whatever, right? So it's like, what could he tell her now that would really matter? And then I was really weirded out because they did like a full-on mouth kiss and I'm like, what the fuck is this, right? Like that was a little disturbing. <laughs> that seemed kind of out of place. It, to me, like that—that's kind of the point of it, right? Is that you—you you, what could he say that would be satisfying, right? Like you can want to know or not want to know, but the—I think the point that Sophia wants to be making there is that the ambiguity is more important or more meaningful than anything concrete, right? That it's supposed to be a little bit ephemeral, a little bit ethereal, and, uh-huh. and unknown. If you're not invested in the characters at that point, you know, obviously it's not going to work. It's not going to yeah. work. But for the people that aren't vested, I think what they're seeing is, I think they are identifying with someone who is feeling lonely in a place that they don't understand. I think they're invested in a relationship that they see is a sincere connection between the two of them, but is also unsustainable and abbreviated. Um, And in that sense, it it feels like it's ending too soon. So I, I can see why people are still uh, on these on these characters' sides, at least invested in what their relationship is. Um, so in, in that sense, I think that may be why there's there are still fans of this movie out there. Um, but yeah, if you're not with them, that's not going to change your mind. Certainly. Yeah, I was kind of grossed out by the age difference at that point. So, and I yeah. knew what was coming. So like, <laughs> this doesn't feel good anymore, like at all. Yeah. yeah. See, I didn't know that was going to happen. So the whole movie, yeah. I thought, oh, they have a pretty nice, like, platonic relationship. And yeah. That's pretty nice, but. I really hope they don't get any closer than that, and then like the ending happened. I'm just like, oh. It, it could have been worse, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did like share a bed, and thankfully they didn't do anything. But you know. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I was, was watching for it this time, yeah. and they were both much flirtier than I recalled. Yeah. In in my memory of it, much flirtier throughout, especially when they like have their adventure out in the Japanese bars and like do the karaoke thing. Like that is, there's there's much more of a romance and sexuality to that than. I had remembered. Yeah, because I mean, this movie is cited as like, oh, it's this great platonic relationship, and it's like, well, they're right Not up against really, it. Not really, though. Yeah. Right <laughs> up against it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I was kind of grossed out by <laughs> by that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and I knew it was coming, and so I was just like, oh, this just like feels so gross now. It's such a gross like male fantasy too, where like you can still be like a schlubby middle aged guy and catch someone like yeah. like this. Find or, Scarlett Johansson just yeah. hanging out in a hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> what a gross notion. That that's like yeah. Yeah. They only, they, and they like, only get together because yeah. he's like the only other white person in that bar. And he's incredibly time. wealthy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a famous movie star, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They they kind of downplay it. Like yeah. it's not it's not the focus of the character necessarily, but yeah. yeah, like part of the suggestion is clearly, oh, she knows who he is, right? So yeah, there's a lot of unfortunate messaging there. Um, he's supposed to be like a kind of John Connery or like uh, who's the guy in Bullet? Um, oh, in, in, in Bullet. Uh, Steve McQueen. Oh, he's Steve, supposed to oh, be like a Steve McQueen kind of actor, right? Who's mm-hmm. like, who's like a late stage. He he had some sort of Bond like role. Yes. Yeah, it seemed like he yeah. was in some cheesy action movies. Right, which is why yeah. they hire him for that whiskey ad, right? They have him yeah. do like a, a James Bond impression. Yeah. Throughout, and they wanted to be Roger Moore, and, and I guess that's thing, supposed yeah. to be funny that Bill Murray's like that because that's like the opposite of Bill Murray's career I right. think that's supposed to be the joke that I guess that seems strange yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. okay Sophia yeah. um, one of the things I did like about this movie is how it does kind of undercut um, the some rom-com tropes right like there's no meet cute because they can't decide when they actually met right and like the the rundown to like oh no be with me is not actually you know go and be with me it's okay i'm going to leave now um, so <laughs> okay bye right so i mean i kind of i kind of like that it's these people that aren't like don't collide together but kind of drift together um, so in in that sense uh, it's effective for me but again it's yeah not enough to save everything in this movie mm-hmm. <laughs> So you, you, do you have a? Have you, did you see Beguiled? Her most recent one. Um, I I did not. I've seen Marie Antoinette. I've seen The Bling Ring, and I think there's another film in there too, somewhere. Right? She doesn't make films that often. No, but the other one was somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's called, oh. <laughs> and which makes it hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but was is that's the one that shot at the hotel? Right. Yeah, it's the one she did after this. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, it was Virgin Suicides, Lost in Translation, Somewhere. Or, no, I'm sorry, Marie Antoinette, Somewhere, Bling Ring, Beguiled. Yeah. And that's like it. Yeah, she, she has not done... I think I saw Bling Ring and I was like, never again. <laughs> 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 like, I've given her to Sophie Coppola so many chances. Yeah. Just, no, thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, this movie was nominated for multiple Oscars. The only one it won was original screenplay um, huh. which is funny because they didn't write it they just like they just they, there was a, just like a, a treatment that they wrote whatever, yeah. whatever but they also just like ran out into like Japanese places and shot and had a camera and, yeah yeah uh, so I actually downloaded the screenplay and read I didn't read all of it but I read a portion of it just like out of curiosity how did this how could this possibly win yeah um, the editing saved a lot of the pacing in this movie because the, the way that it's arranged in the script like you have all of the stuff that Bill Murray does at the beginning of the movie, and then all of the stuff that Charlotte does at the beginning of the movie, and like they don't weave it together in any kind of way at all. It's just which it's a terrible pacing. But one thing, I, specific thing that I noted was that at least four or five times throughout the script, she uses the sentence, "It is all very foreign." 
Oh god. Jeez. Over and Just to make it more clear. Yeah. So like I had watched I had rewatched the movie Did at the time. Did she use point. the word exotic at all? <clears throat> Probably. Ugh. But I definitely noticed that specific phrasing. She said it was it was all very foreign. Um, and I had I had already watched the movie at the time that I started reading the script and that really drove home so much of the racial subtext in this <laughs> in this film. Um, and it suggests that she really doesn't understand what she's doing. That's and, troubling too, because yes. a lot of the the Godfather <clears throat> is about like how you're an immigrant and like how you become American. So yes. you, you go from being foreign to American in that in that process, and, and it seems very sympathetic to people who are who are not American, and especially in Godfather too. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's a, um, and it, it does it in a much more nuanced way than is normally depicted on film. Mm -hmm. Well, Godfather uh, Part Two was also about children not learning lessons from their parents. Yes, <laughs> no, no, I thought of that. You're not wrong. Like I, I thought of that too. Um, and I think that that is exactly what's going or on. Learning the wrong lessons. Learning the wrong parents. lessons. Yeah. Yes. Right. And I think that you see that uh, in the most unkind reading of Sophia's work, you see a director that's very obsessed with appearance and surface and not at all obsessed with the texture and, and meaning of what she's depicting. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is most clearly depicted in this movie, but it shows up in Beguiled, certainly, and some of her other work. Uh, so yeah, I think that she needs to watch her, her dad's movies more closely, perhaps. Is, uh, is she working on anything right now? Uh, she, well, like we said, she doesn't work that often. Um, Beguiled came out last year. Um, and I don't know what I don't know what will be coming up next. It might be nothing, and we'll see something in a few more years. But okay. she has infinity money, right? She yeah. has her money as well she as her dad's money. money. Yeah, so like she doesn't need to work. She <laughs> doesn't. A couple feel of like lines it. do pretty well too. What does Francis Ford Coppola like retired and he because he couldn't get any like non gangster work. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and he started a line of. Wines. He bought oh. a, He bought a vineyard. He's been producing wines. Oh, I have heard about this. I've forgotten about it. I think. It. I think he makes pretty good bank from that. Yeah. That, that's like a common trajectory for famous people is going into the beverage business, and it seems to work mm. out pretty well. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was financially a very brave filmmaker for a lot of his career. Yeah. Like Apocalypse Now basically bankrupt him. Huh. Um, and he had to, because he had the, eventually the studio refused to give him any more money because he was taking so long to make this movie, and he had to invest literally all of his money to finish it. Um, it sounds like a parallel to the movie itself. Indeed, just, it like, does. Deep into it. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, and I feel like Sophia is totally disinterested in taking any chances in her films, on any level. I mean, I, I think to to be fair, like this one is interesting because it's kind of like a non-movie movie yeah. where it's just like. Well, okay, so yeah. when I say she's disinterested in taking chances, I mean she's disinterested in doing anything outside of like what she perceives as her specific comfort zone. Yeah, her like wannabe indie right. like, filmmaker. Like someone black, asked, like yeah. when Beguile was made, someone asked her why she wrote out this black character, and she says, "Because I don't know anything about being black, and it wouldn't make any sense for me to depict them." And it's like, okay, like that's it's true. It's like, yeah, you could also like, like empathy for anyone who is not yourself, <laughs> right. which she doesn't seem to have. Yeah. On the other so. hand, though, maybe you could put forth a little bit of effort. Yeah. And maybe you could hire some black people. Maybe you could, you know, ask someone. Ask yes, any anything at all. Because um, like the stories that she does make, like could be very interesting. Like the bling ring is like an interesting yeah. story about people who are robbing rich people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like how could that be not good? Right. And that, <laughs> uh, 
Right. Well, and, um, and versions and of uh, with the intentions of those characters are bizarre too, because it's just like we they wanted to have like rich people clothing or something. Yes. It was like it was it was the, the, the surface level stuff. They wanted to appear as rich. Yeah. It, and it was yeah. like upper middle class kids robbing like the very wealthy. Yeah. Um, so like that's that's a fascinating character study, and it's incredibly vapid. That movie is is awful. Yeah, yeah. well, and, and it's a shame because I think Virgin, Virgin Suicides actually does have content, right? Like the premise of that movie is it's told from the perspective of a neighbor boy, who's who who lived in a town where the like it girls like there are these three sisters all killed themselves and like nobody knows why right and it's like the story leading up to how that happened mm -hmm. and the way that that unfolds and what she's talking and how she examines femininity and how femininity especially young girls are treated by a rich culture a moneyed culture is interesting and it is compelling and it feels like that was the only thing that she had to say about anything because that was specifically her experience because she yeah. was a young rich girl. And after that, like, it's just not, she just doesn't have Got anything left, left, which is a shame. I feel like she could because she does have a, an eye. Like, she does have a talent. So, yeah, she can, like, point a camera in the right direction. Right, she's absolutely. very good. That's actually a hard thing to do. Yes. She's very good at it. It doesn't seem to add up to much, though. Right, because that's like, not that's not what cinema is. Cinema is not simply pointing the camera in the right direction. It's pointing the camera in the right direction and using the product to create meaning and bringing that together with the stuff that came before it and the stuff that comes after it to be something that has content. Yeah. And the mere depiction of something that looks cool is not cinematic. Period. All right. Any closing thoughts on Lost in Translation? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> rather disappointed by it um, after hearing all the hype about it, and that's about all I have to say about it. Yeah, th this was an experimental pick for me, because most of the time when I pick a movie, it's because it's I love that movie. Um, but this is one that I wanted to come back to. and It's definitely an important one to cover, since it's, like like I said, it's so much hyped on. Yeah. Like, it's so well regarded, and it's an important one to cover and, and see. Yeah, so I, I was hoping for more from it, and I think my... Thoughts on it are not quite as cut and dry as where Crossman have landed, um, but nonetheless, I want it to be better, and I feel like it's a, so much a missed opportunity. Yeah, I just felt like I had a hard time extracting any depth from it. I know you say you keep saying you want to try to, but I just couldn't really find that much to it beyond just that like base level kind of disillusionment with your life. Yeah, that, you know, most people do go through, but it's not really a new concept to explore. Yeah, I, I hear that. Yeah. yeah. Any last thoughts, Crossman? No, I, I've said my piece about this. I, I used to really like this film, and now I think it's terrible. <laughs> so. okay. A journey that more people need to take, I think. Yeah, right? it's like good. there's value in being able to reevaluate what you last thought. And I think some people get really tied to how they felt when they were 19 years old and like feel a loyalty to that. Yeah. And you shouldn't, right? Like you should be prepared to, you know, you're a different person 10 years later. Like you should have a different perspective. I think the soundtrack yeah. is worthwhile. It is. I agree, I agree with the soundtrack. You. It's yeah. great. Okay. I well, think My Bloody Valentine is one of the most underrated bands. So underrated? Yeah. I mean, I think Loveless gets a lot of praise, right? Yeah. I don't think it's as widely known as it should be, though. That's probably true. I think it's like one of like the great rock albums. And I, I, for many years, yeah. I confused My Chemical or My, my Chemical, Chemical Romance, Romance with My Bloody Valentine. Yeah. 
and I only within the last oh. like five or six years realized that there are different things. I think the <laughs> band is named after the horror movie too, just to keep it in movies. Okay, so, there yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, so uh, we will be back then in a in a little bit for things we've seen. Um, stay tuned. And we're back with things we've seen. So uh, let's start this week with Charles. What did you watch this week? I watched Game Night, uh, and oh, I was I. I Thought it was pretty enjoyable. It was a very good comedy movie, I would say. And I feel like there's not that many, like, really good comedy films coming out lately. Uh, at least of this kind of like modern day comedy style. Like, I remember a lot more from when I was in college or high school than have come out recently. But this one was it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, it was quite funny all the way through, um, and it was actually one of the more visually interesting comedy films I've seen. Uh, I guess if you count Edgar Wright, then there's plenty of them. But uh, <laughs> outside of outside of Edgar Wright, this is one of the more visually interesting ones that I've seen. They have a lot of experimental shots. There's some shots with tilt shift to make it look like the world is a board game. There's a few of those okay. shots, which I thought was really cool. Um, there was one particularly interesting shot where they're in a locked room and like there's henchmen outside like trying to unlock the door. And they have the camera focus or stabilize on the lock as it's being turned, oh. so the door moves around the lock. Okay. While, uh, and it was just a very interesting shot that stood out to me to this day. Um, they really heightened the tension of that scene. It was really fun. Uh, the soundtrack was very good. Um, it I, I love like the synthy kind of music, and it had a very electronic soundtrack. And uh, I don't often find myself like very specifically noting during a movie that I really love this song, but that happened a lot during this movie. Hmm. Um, That's my Lost in Translation experience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That was yeah, uh, Jason Bateman. Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman, yeah. Uh, who else is um, in that? Rachel McAdams. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> He's kind of gone away from comedy recently. Uh, so, good to see her getting back into it. And, yeah. The, I saw the trailer. It seemed like it was kind of a horror comedy or like thriller comedy. Um, is that I what's mean, there's, happening there's here? violence in it. Okay. Um, there's a few allusions to horror, but it isn't really horror. It's not like a gory. It's not really film. gory. Like I mean, there's Edgar blood. Ray. Yeah. But it doesn't go to like real great lengths of gore, I guess. But yeah, and the the, the story is kind of interesting in that um, like there's some twists, and I think they're done pretty well. Um, and they, they kind of like, there's, there's a bunch of meta jokes and uh, I actually read online, I didn't realize this while I was watching it, uh, there's lots of things they do during the movie that reference common games that people play, which I thought was oh, cute. Okay. Um, so they, they like play Jenga or like charades or guess who. Um, who the hell gets throughout. together and plays guess who? No, they don't actually play the <laughs> oh, game. Okay. They end up doing things during the movie that reference those oh, games. Oh, got it, got it. So okay. like uh, one, of the, one of the couples, um, like the woman reveals that she had sort of cheated on the guy with a celebrity in the past. So throughout the movie, he's always asking her oh. who it could be. <laughs> and it turns out that's kind of a guess who reference. Right, I didn't sure. realize it after. <laughs> sure. I thought that was really cute. And there's a bunch of those to different games throughout the movie. That did do, um, but yeah, I thought it was very enjoyable, very funny. I probably won't remember it too much, like a year from now. Um, but I thought it was very much worth seeing, very entertaining. Okay. A solid afternoon. I yeah. feel like yeah. that's flown under the radar a bit. It has. That movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I didn't expect it to be very good based on the trailers, um, but then the reviews turned out to be pretty positive, and I, I'm very glad I went and saw it. Yeah. Well, I, I like I like Bateman, um, and I like that he's kind of tapped into this like asshole persona. 
that he does right. so well. Right. He he's more of the normal likable guy in this one. Okay, so more Arrested Development than more things after Arrested more Development. First, first three seasons of Arrested right. Development. Yeah, right. Uh, which was enjoyable. Rachel McAdams is great. She looks like she's having a lot of fun. Uh, which is great. Uh, Semi Charm Life makes an appearance in this movie, oh, and I okay. I love that song. <laughs> really? So I was like rocking out in the theater. <laughs> okay, uh, cool. So game night. Is game a, night is a, is a thumbs up. Um, well, I watched uh, a lot of TV the last couple weeks, and I got through the entire series of The Good Place after numerous recommendations from numerous people, um, and it is fantastic. Um, it is, the, the premise is that Kristen Bell um, dies, goes to the good place, which is the show's equivalent of heaven, because she was a good person during her life, only it turns out there was a mistake, she was actually not a good person, and she's there <laughs> accidentally. Um, and she has to conceal that from the people that run the joint so that she doesn't end up going to the bad place, which is obviously hell. Um, and, you know, comedy ensues from there. Um, it is Tony, uh Ted Danson. Ted Danson. Yes, the, the, and the show has the good restraint to only have him ten bar once throughout the entire first two seasons. So that was that was something. He's such a great actor. He's, and he's, he's yeah. phenomenal in this. Yeah. He absolutely kills it. Um, his, his comedy chops are underrated, I think. Yeah, and he, he, they're on full display here. Like you, He is a laugh riot throughout. But every, every character hits every beat just right. It ends up playing something between like a hangout and a workplace comedy. Uh, but what's so great about it, or what I like most about it, is that it is a, it takes a lot of chances narratively, huh. right? In a way that that sitcoms basically never do, right? Because you'll see a sitcom and they'll like get to the point of equilibrium and then just use that to bounce jokes off the characters a lot, and that's fine. And like for for a show to do that, this show takes like fundamentally changes its premise multiple times throughout the first two seasons. And the seasons are 13 episodes long. So this is 26 episodes where they're really changing the basic assumptions about what the show is on multiple occasions, uh, which keeps it really fresh, get, opens up a lot of new ground for new jokes, it, and it makes the characters dynamic. You see, the, you see them actually change and become different throughout the, the two-season run here, which, again, basically never happens in a sitcom. You want the characters to be static so that you can keep writing similar jokes for them for 10 years. And, and this show makes the very bold choice to not do that. Um, it, it is a success. I think it's fantastic. I think that it's really, really funny. Um, and the first season is on Netflix, but I just paid the 20 bucks to get the second season on Amazon because it was really good. Um, okay. So yeah, strong recommend for The Good Place. Wait, how, many, how many seasons are there? Two. They just finished airing the second one. It has been renewed for a third, which is supposed to be coming out in like September, I think. Okay. Yeah, I've heard so many good things, but on the other hand, I've got a very, very packed TV schedule coming up. <laughs> um, basically, immediately, because Silicon Valley premieres tonight, uh, and then like throughout April is, is a, just a ton of shows that I follow are coming back. Yeah, I I, I flew through this. Like I just yeah. uh, I just watched it like that. I got through the, for those two seasons like in a week, week and a half. Um, so yeah, strong recommend for The Good Place, um, nice. if you can fit it into your packed TV schedules. Uh, did you see anything good recently, Crossman? Uh, I don't know if I'd say good. Did you see anything <laughs> recently? Uh, well, I watched Pacific Rim with Charles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we saw it best possible viewing, so in IMAX, in a real IMAX theater. Okay. In 3D. That's what you go for. Uh, and it's very loud. Uh, <laughs> yep. Um, this, I... I don't think I liked it as much as the people I saw the film with. Okay. Uh, I think it was sorely lacking Del Toro's love. Uh, 
Yeah. Oh, I fully agree. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really missed the sort of like, like it, it was, the effects are good and big, which is like what you want in a film like this, but um, I found the, I mean, Fundamentally, this is a movie about robots fighting monsters. And <laughs> what was great about the original film is like each the design of each thing is like very interesting. So like the like the, the robots like each have their own like very distinguishable like characteristics as did the monsters. Mm -hmm. What was interesting about it is, or one of the many things that's interesting about that movie is that they were the monsters were des designed in a way to look like they could have a human in a suit like wearing this okay. like, monster suit. Like throwback to the Godzilla era or the suitimation in uh, Godzilla. <laughs> this movie I felt didn't have that. It, it added uh, like a number of other robots. I didn't really find all of them distinct. One of them was kind of interesting. They, they Others, had like, some personality with the robots. So the yeah. kaiju less so. The kaiju, yeah, just felt anonymous. They were just kind of there. Too bad because like that was one of the interesting and delightful parts about the original. Yeah. Um, this movie also felt like they saved a lot of money by having nothing happen for about an hour. Like, mm. a lot of, <laughs> at least an hour, actually. So it's a lot of, like, uh, John Boyega, who's in this, like, finding him, and then he, like, gets pulled back into it, and, you know, then he, he starts training a team. It, it, it seemed like they were doing <laughs> two plots in one, yeah. and then neither, like, was fleshed out. So they had John Boyega as the son of Sacrapenticus who saved the world in the first one. Yeah. And he can't live up to his dad, but they bring him back into the military and he's trying to find his place and he has his disagreements with his former partner and whatnot. And then they have this like teenage girl who's like good at engineering Jaegers and she gets pulled into this thing and she has to prove herself to her fellow teenage recruits. So you had this like kind of action movie combined with this YA novel movie <laughs> and neither of them is really fleshed out. And then yeah. you still had the main plot on top of all of that. So that's three yeah. plots. Essentially. Um, yeah. And we, it was someone that we were watching with, a friend of ours, um, who pointed out that there's more references to Evangelion in this one in that it brings these kids in. But watching it, it just felt very troubling that there were just these child soldiers in the movie, um, which the original movie never touched on. Like, everybody was an adult in that movie, and they were all, like, you know, they had their own reasons. They for... did give an explanation why they had to be young, because it strengthens, uh, strengthens their neural link from when they're young. Yeah, right? it just seems like a, like an Ender's Game <laughs> sure. kind of thing. But Ender's Game does something interesting where it's like what they do is so morally troubling that they. They, they trick people into doing the thing that they're doing. Right, that's uh, part of what made it so interesting. That Yeah, that's like the interesting like moral crux of Ender's Game. This movie doesn't engage with that at all. This, no. this movie's like very militaristic and like seems fine with having child soldiers. They kill one of them. Uh, and like nobody's sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they don't give you enough time to care about any of the child characters in the first place. And there's place. so many of them, you don't even know who it was that died. You can only like, tell them apart because yeah. they're all different ethnicities. Yeah, which is also a very troubling like way of treating like <laughs> diversity. So it's like check the box. Yeah, it's yeah. it's more like a you know a commercial than it is anything else. Um, but I. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's cool to watch. I'm probably not going to watch this movie again. It's, yeah, it's fair. It's it's not a Del Toro movie, so, so you know. it sucks. It, uh, kinda, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, I just found it funny how perfectly this movie lined up with my expectations for it. Because yeah, I went in yeah, expecting same. it to be a little cringy because they had the teenage character in the trailers, and you know that you know what they're going to do with that kind of character. 
um, and like not gonna live up to the first one because Del, Del Toro is not involved. Um, but there's some sweet action scenes, and that's what I was there for, and it had its moments. Yeah, you know, so I you wasn't can, disappointed. If, if you need to go to the bathroom during this movie, any time within the first hour is <laughs> totally it's fine. the right time. To yeah, go. yeah, because yeah, like yeah. what you imagine that they talked about while you were gone is probably exactly what they talked about. <laughs> yeah, it also starts in like a really interesting. They had like a few interesting ideas in this movie that they just don't pan out. So it starts with like sort of post-apocalypse, but rebuilding the world. John Boyega lives in these places that have been kind of abandoned, and he's like kind of like a looter, and he's like... I forgot about that. that yeah. Was it was so, it was like, oh, this is like really cool. Are we it's just going like to like minutes. live in this world now? And they're like, no, we're... <laughs> like, yeah, he, he was Ray for two minutes. Yeah, he gets... Star Wars. That's true. Yeah. Uh, he gets caught after about 15 minutes, and they, they just like yeah. go to this military base, and from that point on, we're just on like... Also like Ray. Like giant... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're just in front of giant like green screens for the rest of the movie. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, also a lot of China pandering. Lots of China pandering, this movie. Yeah, which is common now for movies like this to get into the Chinese market, yeah. Okay. The the <laughs> one female Chinese actor who's now in all these action movies, she's in it. Yep. Uh, and they, it takes place largely in China, except for the pinnacle of the movie, which is at uh, Japan. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, I guess where all, that's where the, all the monster movies are. Yeah. There's been enough white dude pandering, I guess, trying to get some too. Yeah. Seems fair. Well, everybody's sucking up to China to like get into no, the I, I, market. Yeah. Uh, right. You'd think yeah. I'd be okay with it, but it usually just feels so forced that I hate it. Yeah, well, it must Independence be Day Two did it and yeah. handled it just as poorly as this movie. <laughs> no, I think Independence Day Two was worse. Yeah, it actually it. was worse because the 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 Chinese actress in this movie, she's actually good in the film. I thought I liked her character. I thought I think it mm -hmm. was interesting. And there's a turn in the movie too that um is kind of a spoiler. But I, I think I liked how her character like kind of yeah. evolves over time. There are good performances in this movie. Charlie Day is really good in it. John Boyega's good in it. John Boyega uh, does his thing. Um, the good actors are good. The good actors are good. Yeah. It's yeah. clear that they know how to act. And yeah. um who's the other there's the other like nerd scientist with Charlie Day. I like Yeah, his. I don't know the actor's name, but he's great. Yeah. He does the same thing he does in the first one, but it's a fun personality. Yeah, I, I agree. Um but yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a meh movie. Like, yeah. Go, yeah. go see it for the visuals yeah. and don't watch it again. Look for giant robots. Yeah. I'm probably not going to see it. It brought it much too close to like Transformers, and that that was like, meh. Like, the first movie does such a good job of like being like, no, this is like how you do a giant robot movie. Yeah, um, that's fair. I mean, yeah. oh, I I, I do want to mention there were some great scenes that showed how big the Jaegers are, which I really appreciated. There's a way they set up the cinematography to really emphasize their scale. Like there was the part where they're piloting the mini Jaeger and jumping around, and the giant Jaeger like chases them, and it looks so big on the screen. It's like looming over them, and that was really spectacular. Yeah. That's something they did. Although I think that's another thing that first film did better, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so what do we got on tap for next week, Grossman? I think it's your pick. Yeah, so let's, um, I'd like to do Point Break. I would also like to do yeah. Point Break. We were talking about female <laughs> filmmakers. This is directed by yes. a woman. Um, it's a Keanu Reeves movie. Time sure back is. to <laughs> earlier. It's basically the movie that Anna Faris was going to make in, in Last in Translation, right? It's the movie I think that they're making fun of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Interesting. it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so I have no. Uh, uh, this is the 19, 1991 version, not right, the yeah, 2015. Not the shot for shot remake. That doesn't yeah, make any not sense. Not the Mountain Dew commercial. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> that they released as a movie. Yeah. Um, this is one I feel no apprehension about, right? Like, I, I am totally confident that this will still be great when I watch it this time around. I've, I've watched it recently, and I know that it is. Great. Okay. That's, that's reassuring. Yeah. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. Um, if you're liking the show, please share it with people and join us next week for Point Break.